This episode of Stick Like Glue Radio is brought to you by Jim Palmer's Dream Business Academy Annapolis. This truly one-of-a-kind live event takes place October 7th through the 9th in beautiful Annapolis, Maryland. And you'll learn exactly how to market and grow a more profitable business faster. Jim and his dream team of speakers will share some of their best marketing and business building advice, all in a pitch-free zone. And don't miss two of Jim's rock star entrepreneur friends, Melanie Benson Strick and best-selling author Bob Berg. Dream Business Academy Annapolis will quite literally transform your business. Do not miss it. Get all the details and register today at www.dreambizacademy.com. That's www.dreambizacademy.com. Hey, friends, this is James Malinchak, featured on ABC's hit TV show, Secret Millionaire, and founder of BigMoneySpeaker.com, and you are listening to my good friend, Jim Palmer, on Stick Like Glue Radio. Welcome to Jim Palmer's Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Jim Palmer is a marketing and business building expert, author, speaker, and an in-demand coach. He's the founder of the Dream Business Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. Jim is the host of Newsletter Guru TV, the hit weekly web TV show based on Jim's smart marketing and business building advice. Check it out at www.newsletterguru.tv. And now, please welcome the host of Stick Like Glue Radio, Jim Palmer. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio. This is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Those are always great things in anybody's business. Anybody's business. Yeah, I can get that out. I'm your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach. I am committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. I'm so excited about this week's show. It's a great, great topic that is very much of um, top of mind lately, and I'm something I'm interested in. My special guest is author of Millennials and Management, and her name is Lee Carraher. Let me tell you a little bit about Lee, and we'll bring her right on. Lee is a CEO and acclaimed communication strategist known for her practical solutions to big problems. She started Double Forte as a new kind of communications firm designed to work with good people, doing good work, and for good companies by providing the best results and service in the business. Lee has a reputation for building cohesive, high-producing teams who get a lot done well and have fun at the same time. Kind of love that myself. She is a sought-after coach and confidant to her clients. Lee regularly helps organizations navigate complex, sensitive, and critical situations. Her first book, Millennials and Management, The Essential Guide to Making It Work at Work, is based on her work building a successful intergenerational workplace as well as the insight from more than 250 managers, leaders, and employees of all ages and in different industries across the country. Lee, thank you so much for being my special guest on Stick Lake Lou Radio. How are you doing? I'm great, Jim. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And I think, are you calling in from California? Did I see that? I am. How San Francisco. How about that? Well, I think Northern California still has some some water, right? I mean, you guys aren't as dry as Southern California. Drip, drip, drip. Oh, my That's goodness. all we got. We don't have a whole oh, lot here. We're all trying to save so as much water as we can. Heartbreaking. Wow. It is. It's a lot, Actually, lots of it challenges. Is. 
My goodness. So, Lee, I want to talk to you today about recruiting and retaining millennials because it's been said, I think you actually said it, that a business without millennials is a business without a future. Did, did I get that right? Yes, did, did I, you okay, did. Cool. And, you know, it, we are in a time when – and I, I, I don't know if there's been a, a previous time, but it's never been more apparent, but when there's actually like at least, and correct me if I'm wrong, four different generations kind of working, mm-hmm. often working in, in one business, right? Correct. And that's the first time it's ever happened in our history uh, as wow. a country, where we have four people who are just working much, much longer, many much longer than they ever anticipated. Um, and so we have millennials, Gen Xers, boomers, and silence, people who are over 68 years old, all working together uh, side by side. Um, and it does create um, some strife and conflict um, in the workplace when we don't sort of seek to understand where everyone's coming from. And, you know, I think there's some um, some thinking, and I don't I'll, I'll a little bit of derogatorily, but I'll include myself in this sure. group. There's some older folks, you know, who think, well, listen, just do your job and this, that, and the other thing. But when you, <laughs> when you, you know, get to work on time and, and do your work, right? But when you get down to it, it, it always, um, I always enjoy seeing sometimes on Facebook or social media where it says, if you were born after this date, you never knew what. X, Y, and Z were, or you know what I mean? You right. didn't know what life was like without a debit card and all this Right, exactly. Things. And so, you know, millennials and, you know, other folks in the younger generation, they all they know is, like, their phone and Facebook and things like that. And they, they, they mm-hmm. am I right, where they don't necessarily see that as a bad thing, where if you're in, if you're in the uh, older generation, it's like, Put that thing away. You know what I mean? It's that right. kind of, is that the kind of conflict you work with? I think a lot of conflict on that. I think the, um, you know, if you think millennials today are, um, this year will be 15 to 35, so it's 20 years. It's a pretty big generation um, defined by the census. Um, Gen Xers are a smaller um, year, and boomers is 18 years and all that kind of stuff. But the thing about millennials is they are digitally native. I mean, they grew up with technology in their classroom, in their homes, in their bedrooms, in their cribs. I mean, all these things that um, people over 35 just did not have access to. You know, um, the fact that you have today in your hand is much more, more computing power than um, NASA did to put someone on the moon. You know, you have to think about the implication of that, and the implication of that really is that for millennials, the world's very, very flat. You know, they are one click away from any email, any CEO in the world. They're one tweet away from making somebody change a recipe or go back to the gate, you know, from the tarmac. They're one, um, uh, you know, Google search away from any information that they want. Um, and the things that there used to be barriers to, information, action, power, for the older colleagues in your office, um, just do not exist for this group. So, of course, there would be different expectations around how people would operate in the in in the workplace than their older colleagues. Mm. You know, when you say digitally native, I, I automatically thought of my uh, two-year-old grandson, Nathan, you know, from my daughter, Jessica, mm-hmm. who I know you also know. And um, mm-hmm. it, it, he will pick up my cell phone, assuming it's not 
you know, once it's unlocked or whatever. And with his pointer yeah. finger, he knows how to go find the photos. And, of course, I have every video and photo of Nathan. Right. And he just <laughs> scrolls through there with his pointer finger. I'm like, he's two years old. You know, my yeah. mom probably can't even open my cell phone and watch stuff it's like true. that. So it's crazy. It's true. And if you think about um, so millennials, that's such a group, you know, uh, again, 15 to 35. Well, the, there's really three groups. There's 28 to 35-year-olds. For that group, the iPad, the iPhone, that's, that didn't even exist for them. Didn't exist for them in the high school or in college, right? Um, and now 15 to 22-year-olds, they're learning on iPads. They're learning on their cell phones. They're watching videos at night and doing homework in the school, in the classroom. I mean, just te- what has technology allowed is such a difference in education and how people work together. This even within millennial generation, there's a big difference between the young uh, millennials and the older millennials. It's crazy. Wow. I saw a video once where um, uh, there was a, t- I don't know if it was a toddler, or let's just say four or five years old, whatever, and they were looking at a magazine, an actual print you know, on paper magazine. Right. And they were trying <laughs> How do I turn to use this off? Finger- yeah, they're trying to use their <laughs> yeah. finger to turn the pictures <laughs> without turning the page. Right. It was like they couldn't comprehend yeah. that. It was so weird. Right? Um, so, you know, or, millennials. You know what kids do? Go ahead. What kids, uh, what's really interesting, I think, is the TiVo. The TiVo is so wonderful, right, DVRs. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, time shifts entertainment. And that was really what it was for, time shifting entertainment. But you have to think about it, for, you know, from an adult, it was like, awesome, I can watch what I want to watch, where I want to watch. I don't have to use a VHS tape. I'm not going to tape over something, you know. But for kids who grew up with time shifting television, um, understanding that you can't time shift everything for a three-year-old, Unconceivable, right? So, um, you know, they might uh, my my kids and are a little older than your grandchildren. But you know, if I'm talking too much, they sort of put their hand out, they push the pause, you know, the imaginary pause button. I'm like, wait, 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 that's not how it works. That only <laughs> works on television. Doesn't work on radio. Doesn't work on people. Doesn't work on you know. And if you think about just even the shifting of television, the only thing we watch live today is sports, right? Everything that's else right. is shifted. Um, and it has a it has a lot of implication to what happens in the workplace. Yeah. So uh, I want to ask you about the workplace, and I'll, but I want to preface this question. You know, uh, I saw on one of the financial uh, networks where it said um, this is this is not good news for the economy because millennials don't necessarily want to have a, the part of the American dream, which has been part of the American dream for so long. They don't mm-hmm. necessarily want to own a home. They don't want mm-hmm. stuff, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So, and I think millennials also have a reputation for job hopping. So, how yep. can somebody who owns a business work around that? Because mm-hmm. you you hire somebody, you train them, and next thing you know, they're gone. So, like, yeah. how do you do? How do you deal with that? I think it's two parts. One, um, job hopping, that is definitely a reputation that millennials have, and it's not um, rocket science to figure it out, right? They've seen so millions and millions of of millennials, there are 80 million millennials in this country alone, have seen their parents lose their jobs, lose their savings by putting all their eggs in a single company's basket. And they've been told by their parents, don't count on one job. Don't count on it. So, um, and that's really been a narrative for the last 15 years that um, parents, boomer, exer, silent parents, have been um, saying because, you know, they had put all their eggs in this one basket and, you know, 2008 they might have lost it, 2001 they lost it, you know, kind of stuff. So there is an expectation that people will create their own careers. It will not necessarily be at one place. So that is an expectation that people have coming out of college. Um, 
for sure. And so that you know, so if you have if you're a business and you expect people to come out of college and stay with you and you're recruiting people who are expecting to create their own careers by sort of moving around and defining their own success, well there obviously is a conflict. The um I like to think about it a little bit differently in that uh one, I don't millennials and the millennials I spoke to, I mean I surveyed thousands of millennials actually. Um they don't want a job hop. I mean it's not, if they don't have to, they won't. If they if they can get, if they can move forward in their career as defined by themselves, um, they'll stay as long as they are, you know, uh, have opportunity, right? So the first thing uh, employers need to do is say, you know, explain what opportunity could look like for different people over time, um, and be ready to adjust, right? My business today, I started my company 13 years ago. It's totally different today than it was 13 years ago. I need totally different skill sets. The other thing to think about is, you know, we used to think about job. Um, loyalty as when how long the person was at the company. I actually like to think about it as loyalty over the course of a person's career so that um, we know people are going to leave us. How do we keep them longer? So in San Francisco, this may not be true all around the country, but in San Francisco, the average um, term of employment for someone under 27, 28 is about 18 months. So I think about it this way. I'm going to try to keep everybody at least three years, 36 months. I'm going to double it. I'm going to, if I do 2x of the norm, then I win, right? I've kept somebody else longer. They've done more for me. They've probably moved up the chain. They're producing more. And um, I have not had to spend tens of thousands of dollars on recruiting or, or bringing somebody else in. What I want is for people when they leave my company is one, that they feel really proud that they were here. They learn something great because when they go into the world, they may change a career. They may not do what we do. They may keep doing what they do in a different kind of a capacity, but they're our advocate. They're our ambassador. So they you know, they see people that we should hire. They go, they call me and go, Lee, I saw this great guy. You should talk to him. I think he'd be really good in your firm. Or um, they're in a company and they need our services and they pick up the phone and go, Lee, I'd really like for you guys to come in and talk to us about working for us. Um, and then maybe, you know, a few years later, they call back and go, I'd really like to come back. So um, that's my you know, the loyalty, I want the loyalty to be the firm long term, not just the time that they're going to be in the company. And then my job is really not to worry about them being recruited because everyone's getting recruited, but to make it the best place they can be so that they stay longer than they thought they were going to stay. Because if they stay longer than they thought they were going to stay, again, my company benefits. Right. You know, what's the best way, and I think what a lot of what you talked about is managing the expectations, knowing up front mm. what's important to them and what their dreams are yes. and things like that, and, and hopefully you're, there's, a, there's a good marriage there. So, you know, Lee, what's the best way to manage a millennial? Like, you, you deal with this mm -hmm. a lot, so what kind of All tips time. can you give? I think a couple things. First is to, um, you know, for uh, boomers in particular, we're the wait-my-turn generation. There were so many of us. Um, I'm a boomer, and we just had to sort of wait our turn until we got um, elevated. Um, millennials don't work this way, so I think the first piece is to bring context to everything you're doing. So why are we doing this project? What's it going to? Where is it going to lead us? How is the company going to succeed with it? What's it going to do for us? So just bringing like the full picture to the project or to the initiative um, is super super important because just because I said so does not work with this group. 
Um, the second piece is to explain my role, every person's role on the team and to explain uh, dependencies. You know, millennials get a bad rap for being a me generation. My experience is, you know, 180 degrees from that, that it's very much a we generation. Um, the first, the worst thing I can do when someone doesn't perform is say, you know, you really didn't do a good job. You didn't live up to your potential because that person could care less what I think about their potential, right? But if I say to them, you know, you didn't do a good job and you let Joe down. Joe had to pull an all-nighter or Joe had to do this or that or we all had to stay late because you didn't do your job. Truly, the, you know, the, they, you know, the, the, the lip starts to wobble and they're like, oh, my gosh, and it doesn't happen again because letting the team down is more important a myth than not living up to my expectation of your expectation. Right, so understanding everyone's role and understanding how my role impacts everybody else, so that if everyone understands that you know you have a dependency and people are depending on you, those two things, context and dependencies and roles, um, you know that just seems to bring just layer way down and bring and bring focus and purpose to the work at hand. Lee, the last thing define... I say for oh, okay. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, so the, the last thing would be that um, for millennials, like you know, they come into the workplace, they have lots of ideas. They're used to being able to have ideas, um, you know, uh, put into action right away. And a lot of people look at process and go, I can change that. I can make this better. I can do that. And I'm confident that all of my processes can be improved. But what I ask everybody to do is just do it my way first so you understand how everything works together, and then please improve it. But please don't come into the into uh, you know don't start day one and go I'm going to change this I'm going to change that because what you're really doing is you know you're discounting the intent of the person who created it not the fact that they would love to have it improved who doesn't want something improved we're all trying to get home you know so <laughs> how do you define and and specifically what are some of the characteristics of millennials? Mm-hmm. So millennial I mean, millennial technically is just an, an age right 15 to 35. Okay. Uh, basically what that is in terms of psychographic though it, it's the um this is a um a generation that is like i said digitally native they have been um technically um the the advantages that that people that this group has had by being alive and growing up when technical change is changing so much so fast and um and just bringing so much advantage in terms of access and um, depth of opportunity in terms of knowledge to people. Um, definitely change makers want to change the world. Um, what you'll see in a lot of uh, interviews is they'll ask questions like, what are the volunteer days that I get every year? Like, how many of those do I get? Or what are you doing in the community here? What are the volunteer days that all the company, we all go and help somebody else out? This is true across the country, that they're looking for the uh, entire picture. Um, uh, money is not the only currency in for most, for most millennials. Um, also, huge confidence, a lot of confidence, you know, being able to... Um, Make change fast brings a lot of confidence and in themselves and in the in the uh, in the generation altogether, and then um, also totally want to participate. 
really aren't intent on sort of waiting their turn or moving up the chain one step at a time, that kind of thing, um, but uh, want to make sure they're contributing to the bigger picture, which is why context is so important. No, no company that I know of, hire somebody that we don't need, right? There's work. We hire someone to fill the work. We have to get it done. And if that work doesn't get done, somebody has to do it instead. So there's no job that doesn't have to be filled. Um, that doesn't mean something, right? We don't just hire people to hire people. Um, but understanding how it fits in um, and where the opportunity is. So, And definitely I think the other thing about millennials is self-charters. They, they see a lot of opportunity. Sometimes it's a, it's something that can be uh, debilitating how much opportunity there is, um, and they need a little focus. The other thing I see about millennials is the first thing they want is when they get into the job is a mentor. Really want to learn. Actually want to learn. And if you can uh, match people up with a great mentor for them and who could also learn from the millennial, this is great. And I like to say that your first your first customer is your employee because if you can't keep your customers, I mean, if you can't keep your employees, you're for sure you can't keep your customers, right? So um, just matching those things up so that you can help someone see an, um, you know, how they can chart their own place while they're with you. So, Lee, you've been in business like 13 years, and um, you've, you've written a book now, so you've become quite the expert. But talk a little bit about some of the struggles you had um, hiring millennials. Sure. So my company started in uh, 2002. We didn't hire anybody who didn't have 10 years of experience, and that was very purposeful. In 2008, when the business, you know, the whole market just cratered, um, we took a look at the business model, because um, you always want to do that when something goes wrong in the economy, because um, we can't expect business models to stay static through these kinds of shifts. And we realized that that business model is not going to be relevant pretty quickly because there weren't going to be any people with 10 years of experience because no one really in our business in San Francisco no one got hired in this industry from 2000 to 2005, basically, 2004. So um, we shifted to say we need to bring younger people in. We need to bring you know college grads and grow our own staff. Well, before I had started this company, I had been a very, very large, two very, very large companies, and I had had staffs of 500, 600 people each. And I was known for recruiting, so I really didn't think anything of it. And we recruited, uh, started hiring um, younger staff, and it took a while, 2009, you know, recovery year, 2010, uh, started hiring um, again. And our first uh, millennial, awesome, she's fantastic, um, she brought her dog to work the first day. I was like, and I came in a little late that day. I was like, "There's a dog here. <laughs> Where'd the dog come from?" And uh, did anyone know the dog was coming? And uh, is anyone allergic to dogs? Um, and it was a service dog. Well, it's a Chihuahua, not really a service dog, to, in my estimation, but it definitely had the little red vest. And I was sort of befuddled. You can't ask a service dog to leave. Um, and I realized right then, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, what just happened here? A total shift." Um, and I called my friends who other have agencies and like, um, this woman just brought her dog to work. Oh, Lee, you are in for it. And that was the attitude I got when I called my colleagues around town. Lee, you are in for it. And I sort of, all right, I guess, whatever. And then later on that year, we hired, she is awesome and she had great ideas, but I really, we really didn't know what to do with her, but she was so great. Um, that I was like, all right, well, she's just a real go-getter. Um, later that year, we hired six millennials within about um, eight weeks of each other, and they all failed. 
100% failure with six people. And I've never had 100% failure on recruiting ever in my career. And, you know, one person could be their problem. Two people could be a fluke. But six people, 100%. I mean, I, I mean really? So I started looking at it, and I... Um, and I started looking at how, why they had failed, and it was total misalignment of expectation. So um, I started looking at the literature. That's when I found out there was this thing called millennial. I had no idea that existed before. And it was all really, really negative, super negative. Like today, if you Googled it, you'd get a million and a half negative entries about working with millennials. I mean, that's just super negative. And, and um, I decided that I can't be negative about who I'm working with because, like you said, if you don't have millennials in your business, your business does not have a future. Um, and we sort of set out to figure it out. Um, and sort of trial by error, um, went back to the basics and um, of management, interviewed a lot of millennials myself, just just trying to understand the phenomena and put together for my company, you know, try to figure it out. So, um, and we did, and I really had not an idea of writing a book about it, but um, then my client business turned into a lot of conversations about that. And our business is communication. Mostly it's about communicating from companies out to the world. But like I said, our point of view is that if you don't have, if your employees aren't your first customers, then don't bother going outside the rest of the world. And a lot of my client work ended up being about the employees, not about talking to the rest of the world. And it was all centered around this millennial thing. So um, sort of turned uh, uh, two years of frustration um, and failure of working with people after really being known for being able to work with people my whole career into sort of an advice situation. Um, and then I was encouraged to write the book based on that. That's awesome. So the book is called Millennials and Management, The Essential Guide to Making It Work at Work. And how can people get that book? And is there a, uh, a website where they can learn more about you and connect with you? Absolutely. So you can get the book. It's in bookstores around the country now, but it's also on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And um, you can also download some of my tools off my website, so Um where you can find all these other tools I use um, that are in the book and also more information about it. Or you can follow me on Twitter at at Lee Very good. Lee, thank you so much. This was a fun interview, and um, I'd love to have you back sometime. Thank you, Jim. I'd love to come back. I appreciate it. Very cool. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special episode of Stick Like Glue Radio with acclaimed communication strategist Lee Carraher. Stick Like Glue Radio is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers. Why? So they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. I'm your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach. I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. Be sure to check out information on our next live event. Our next Dream Business Academy is going to be in beautiful Annapolis, Maryland, October 7th, 8th, and 9th. You get information at Dream bizacademy.com dreambizacademy.com that is a wrap for this week watch for another great episode of stick like glue radio next week until then keep taking action keep moving forward and don't ever ever give up now go do something nice for somebody today take care everybody you've been listening to stick like glue radio the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer spend more and refer more Stick Like Glue Radio features Jim Palmer's unique brand of smart marketing and business building advice for action-oriented entrepreneurs. To make sure you don't miss a single profit-boosting show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and www.getjimpalmer.com. 
To learn more about Jim's Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind program, visit www.dreambizcoaching.com. That's www.dreambizcoaching.com. If you know other entrepreneurs looking for the fastest way to hire profits in their business, please tell them about the Stick Like Glue radio podcast. Now, go and implement what you've learned and boost your profits. See you next week for more Stick Like Glue radio.